This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. This is the Mark Madden Unfiltered Podcast from the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody. I'm Mark Madden. Welcome to the latest edition of the Mark Madden Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Don't forget. As it said on the tablet that Moses dropped coming down from the mountaintop, the 11th commandment was and remains bet now from anywhere. Uh, I'm joined uh, as I am uh, this time of the week by Tim Benz. Uh, Tim, let's go with a really formulaic uh, podcast method today. I want to do a Steelers report card to this point in the season, position by position, and let's get the fun one out of the way first. Uh, quarterbacks, I give uh, the quarterbacks a C minus. Uh, I know people like to pretend that Pickett's made this great progress, but the numbers don't lie, and he is near the bottom of the NFL stats for quarterbacks in just about everything. I was going to say C minus C myself, and uh, the only reason I would maybe upgrade it a little bit from you to a C is because the offensive line was so bad early that perhaps Trubisky would have had more to show if he had more protection early on. Um, you know, if I was going to take that curve out of it, honestly, Mark, I might even give him a D plus. I think everything that's being evaluated positively for both quarterbacks is being done so with a grain of salt, a curve, an attaboy, if you will, for either just being a rookie and learning or in the case of Trubisky, for having a steep learning curve and not having a lot of support in the games that he was a starter before he well, was yanked. I think yanked. Pickett's got the attaboy. I think uh, they've been uh, the usual suspects. The the citizens have been unduly hard on Trubisky, and I think Trubisky uh, outplayed Pickett to this point in the season when given opportunity. Mark, it was funny today. Every week I do what amounts to a mailbag at Trib Live, and I had a bunch of people emailing upset because of our podcast that we do for the Trib, the Madden Monday podcast, because you said you didn't see much signs of growth from Pickett. I don't. And I got one guy who actually, I can't believe he emailed this, but emailed me, when is anybody in Pittsburgh going to give Kenny Pickett a break? And I'm oh. like... He, he was drafted number 20 overall in the first round by a Pittsburgh team from a Pittsburgh school. Kenny Pickett was put into the starting lineup for the fourth game of the year. He was 
twice put back into the starting lineup after Trubisky won games, meaning against Tampa and against Carolina, put right back in the starting lineup. People throughout Akershire Stadium were chanting his name before Mason Rudolph was even able to throw a pass in the preseason. He hasn't gotten a break. Was that from Heinz Ward? Nobody gave us a chance. Well, I don't think Pickett's the guy, and I think I'll be proven right on that. Now, running back, I also give a C-. minus. I think Najee looks like a bust. He's had two years now and has shown me very little. I thought he was getting going for a couple weeks there out of the bye. It's kind of gotten bland again, and I don't know. He, if he's not a force. He, he's not a guy who's going to take over games. I I just don't believe we're even seeing a glimpse, anything minor that would remotely indicate that. Well, especially if you compare him to Josh Jacobs, who they just went up against. Jacobs gets forty-four yards, and everybody in Vegas is like, "Hey, what was wrong with Jacobs tonight?" Whereas if it's forty-four yards, if it's fifty, if it's fifty-five with Najee, you're like, "Oh, that's about what we expect." It should be more than that, and he was a first-round draft pick. You know, a running back should come into the league and produce right away because it's that kind of position and that kind of a shelf life too. And I thought he did that as best as he could last year with the twelve hundred yards and lots yeah, of catches. But I'm, I'm tired of saying as best as he could. I'm tired of always making excuses. It's always somebody else's fault. When we get to the offensive line, we'll probably say, "Well, they did great. It was Najee." No, I'm not going to say that. I mean, I will say that Najee Harris. Let me bring the two together. I think that Najee Harris last year was hit behind the line of scrimmage way too often. But if you saw the advanced stat metrics for what he wasn't doing in the early part of the season, like missing holes, yards beneath what was expected, he was tracking well below what he should have gotten. In fact, the offensive line growth, I started to notice it when I started to notice how poorly Najee was playing. You know, like I, I started to notice that there were holes there that Najee wasn't exploiting. And from that point on, I started to see some growth within the offensive line. The issue with the offensive line, Mark, is I just think they've already gotten everybody's best season. And yeah. you're never going to get a season again where they're all healthy this long. I do, too. And uh, you're right about the health. I give them a C, but I think that's their ceiling. Uh, James Daniels is the only truly good offensive lineman of the group. And it worries me that because they did achieve a grade of C, I'm sure in the eyes of the coaching staff as well. In fact, the staff probably overrates them. Uh, but the Steelers uh, administration, the coaches, the front office people might now think the offensive line is good enough and not address it early in the draft. I would give them a B-. minus. I bet if you asked them, they wouldn't give anything lower than a B. And I do have concerns like you do that they will address everything but the offensive line because they think everybody is ascending, whereas I wonder if this is as far as they can ascend. I'm sure it's as good as they can get. And you're just going nowhere with a fourth-round draft pick at left tackle. I'm sure there are exceptions that that the Yokels could look up about a fourth-round draft pick who became a great left tackle. Dan Moore Jr. is not that guy. He's either a guard or a backup or maybe a backup guard. The hope that I have is that they're agitated enough with Dotson, with his penalties, with his propensity to miss assignments, like, for instance, the block that got Kenny Pickett concussed the second time, that they look at Moore, see him as a pretty good run blocker, consider him perhaps a guard, and thus thrusting them to say, okay, we need to get a first or second round tackle, and that makes us better across the board because Moore could be a guard. If they moved Moore to left guard where Dotson stinks... And, you know, got a legit left tackle. I mean, maybe I could live with that. Okay, tight end. 
Uh, they get my highest grade on offense. They get a B. I think Fryermuth is going to be a top five tight end in the league, although he's not yet. And I'm basing that on his pass catching. I think his blocking leaves something to be desired. But then again, it's become that kind of position league-wide. Uh, and I think Gentry and Connor Hayward pitched in as best they could. I think that's a rare position on the Steelers where you got just about what you expected and a little more. Hayward's an interesting player right now, and I, I give them a B, too, for the collective group. Hayward's an interesting player right now because he's one of the few guys that they haven't overrated yet. <laughs> and maybe they still will. Give it time. But you know you know what I mean? Like they put him out there and it's still a surprise when he does something. Like, you know, he got that huge catch against the Bucks to get that win. He closed out the game on the jet sweep the other day. He's still a surprise element player, and they haven't force-fed him into the lineup. And I hope it stays that way because that's what he should be. Um, you know, and I think I, I still would like to see more two tight end where they feel comfortable using Gentry as a pass catcher. They more. don't use it nearly enough. Their their offense coalesces much better, but they got to justify having them wide receivers. It it's a weird offense, Tim, because between Fryermuth, Pickens, and Deontay. One usually gets frozen out of the offense, uh, depending on the week. Correct, and I think that, for instance, when you saw the game against the Panthers, there was a straight-up, flat-out agenda to not have Fryermuth be targeted off and over the middle, and that dovetailed with the fact that he wasn't at 100%. So, you know, why not augment the recovery process by minimizing his snaps and not giving Trubisky the opportunity to force-feed passes to him like what got him bit a couple times against the Ravens. I got the wide receivers with the grade of C, Tim. They're they're talented enough. They just don't do enough. I can't believe Deontay Johnson got that contract extension. Two years, $36.7 million, and does not yet have a touchdown catch. Yeah, I'll give him a C, too. Part of me wants to give him a higher grade because I think Pickens has been used so poorly. But at the same time, the numbers are the numbers. And, you know, I, I can't just assume he'd be a... 75 catch guy and a 1200 yard guy if he was used correctly you can't assume that uh, so I'll, I'll go in the middle and, and give him a C uh, Johnson's a good example of what you've talked about ad nauseum which is you know this is a team that will now likely not have a playoff win for a sixth consecutive year and boy are they working really hard to keep the roster together yep. and there Should've are let Deontay go there are chock, they're just chock full Penguin of players. Penguins should let Brian Russ go. <laughs> okay, I'm sure we'll get to them too. But there are players abound on this team that are going to fall exactly under that category this offseason. Cam Sutton. Uh, if you look at... And they're going to scramble Casey, to keep him and, and give Sutton too much. You watch. Wormley. Ogunjobi. All these guys who are fringe, do you keep them or are you not? Devin Bush, do you try to do the Terrell buddy Edmonds Buddy system, thing? Tim. It's buddy system. Uh, Terrell Edmonds, up again. Like how, how often and how hard are you going to work for these guys? And the king of it all is Highsmith. Are you going to give Highsmith significant pass rusher like money? Like Bud Dupree money. Right. Are you going to give him Bud Dupree money to be T.J. Watt's Robin when T.J. Watt isn't even Batman anymore? I, I bet they do. I think they do, too. I think you'll see a lot of these guys stay under the auspices. Oh, well, the cap's going up. Okay. Then you've got even more room to play with to get other guys that are not those guys, that are part of a team that hasn't won a playoff game in six years. Hey, you're preaching to the choir. Uh, now, uh, let's move to defensive line. I got them at B. Cam's been very good, arguably the team's MVP. I think Ogan Joby's been okay. I think some of the younger guys, like Leal, when he's been able to play, has been 
has been decent. I, I, I think there's something there. I was going to say B minus, but Cam's been so good down the stretch. I'm going to say B. Yeah, he's gotten better as the season has gone along. I'm going to say B minus, mainly because the run game has still been inconsistent. And there have been too many games where I've been waiting for a play to be made and nobody made it like the New England game, like the Baltimore game. And some of that is winning up front. Um, You know, I I can't get the images of some of those games out of my head. So I know Cam's been good, but like Ogunjobi tends to be good in the first quarter, in the first half, then you don't hear very much from him. Uh, Leal has flashed, but has he flashed more when he's been playing outside linebacker than line? Uh, Alu Alu hasn't been worthy of coming back. Oh, he's a bum. He's just done, I think. So um, I'll, I'll go B minus, and the highest percentage of one player for a position group of the grade being good is Cam in the D line. Uh, edge rusher, I give C plus. Uh, I'm actually trending a little lower, but I'm going C plus. Highsmith's been very good, but like you said, he's robbing. He's not played particularly well when Watt has been hurt. Watt's been just okay when he's been able to play, and he's hurt too much, and everybody beyond that stinks. Yeah, and he hasn't been great since he came back, and whether that's because he's playing hurt or not, he's back and he's not playing that great. And this will be the rest of his career, by the way. So I would put them in that range, too. Maybe i go B-minus because of what Highsmith has done with Watt. We can't kind of forget that. Um, with Watt coming back and the attention that's paid to him. And at times now, he's even started to get penetration when he's gotten the double teams from time to time. When people have noticed, like Carolina, for instance, that Watt just didn't have it, Highsmith has made the occasional play. So I'll go C+, B-minus in that range. Here's my favorite position, Tim, inside linebacker, F. F. They're all useless. And I looked up their stats. Somebody pointed me in this direction. Between Spillane, Jack, and Devin Bush, they have one sack... No interceptions, no forced fumbles, no fumble recoveries. And you might say, well, they make a lot of tackles. Well, do they? Because look at the tackle totals for the safeties, like Minka and Terrell Edmonds, way too high, which does not reflect well on the inside backers. They're well, just horrible. Well, forget giving them an F then. Do we go Animal House, Mr. Blutarski, 0.0? I think Blutarski would make more tackles. <laughs> Might fall in a might fall in a loose fumble. Do you know like they are first unless he, unless he joined the Peace Corps. They are first in the NFL in interceptions and last in fumble recoveries. They only have three fumble recoveries the whole season. I think they've only forced no. They forced technically you can force a fumble have it not be recovered. Yeah, but. I was surprised to learn they lead the NFL in interceptions. Yeah, that seems weird. I is that because they're getting thrown on a lot? I mean, I I don't think their pass defense has been exceptional. Well, imagine what would have happened if they had caught Hoff. Of the interceptions that were thrown to him by oh, Tua. Oh, Ben Santa reference. <laughs> I saw it the other day and it was yeah, cracking. That, that's the best scene in the I movie. I love that scene. That's the best scene. 42% Hoff. 33 Hoff. <laughs> and a third. <laughs> He's a moron. Oh, really? Is that how you got the upper hand in the negotiating? Uh, okay, cornerback. The interceptions that we noted, I'm giving them a C- minus because except for Sutton, it's just not a good group. Yeah. Well, you know what? Levi Wallace... Wasn't great early, got better as the season went along. He does well in like the PFF grades. If he has to start, you're in trouble. I, exactly. I think if he's one of your starting corners. If Cam Sutton's your best corner, you're in trouble. Right. I think like Cam Sutton's a good nickel, and he has to be their best corner. And that really is all the people need to know. They don't have a number one. If they think that William Jackson is going to be what Akella Witherspoon wasn't, they're making how, the how same. How come he hasn't even played yet? Uh, the back really must be an issue. They must not have been lying about that. Uh, in Washington. So I think 
that they need a number one corner. I think Cam Sutton, Levi Wallace need to be two and two B. Uh, you know, to borrow the phrase from the quarterbacks that Mike Tomlin used to throw around. Yeah, but would you give Sutton too much money? Because they no, they See, would have to to keep him. And I, I think, think what what's going to happen with Sutton? I, bet, I mean, don't Mark, you think the one thing about any starting cornerback and Sutton is the equivalent of a starter. I mean, he's really a good nickel, but he started for the Steelers. Any cornerback who gets in the free agency is going to get overpaid. Well, that's the exact analogy I was going to draw. Was Mike Hilton? Yeah, Levi Wallace got overpaid. I think you'll see what happens to Sutton. What happened to Hilton? Which is the Steelers are going to think, well, we value him more than most, so we're not going to have to pay too much. And then somebody's going to say, no, we need a guy just like that and pay more. And all it takes is one team. And I don't think he's worth really b- bidding up all that high. I I also think they think they have bodies at that position, and they might not try to spend too much to keep Sutton and. Maybe force their own hand into drafting a high corner then. Like like Peasy's kid. Yes. Yes. That, that's gonna happen. Don't you agree with me? I do agree. In fact Especially now that they're gonna pick like sixteen, seventeen, he he'll be there. Yeah, he he won't be top ten worthy, but I bet you he's more than willing to be taken by somebody in the low twenties, and if they're in the high teens, then that's that's close enough. Can't you just tear it, Tim? I'd love to be a fly on the wall in a Steelers draft room. Uh, Andy Weidel, you know, cites all the chapter and verse, the the big board, the video, the combine, uh, the senior bull, all the reports, and Tomlin rejects his recommendation to take, say, left tackle and says, nah, take Peasy's kid. And then what they'll do is, even if his combine numbers are not great, some people don't think he's going to combine great. He might not be the purest athlete for a corner, but would be for a safety. They'll That's just what say, I think he is, is a safety, but they don't need a safety. But they'll convince themselves that they do. And, oh, sorry, we can use a safety. We don't have to play. Maybe we can let Terrell Edmonds go because we're going to take Peasy's kid before anybody else does. I can really see that happening. People think I'm joking and, you know, trying to, you know, make a bit out of it. it, it it's starting as a bit and will wind up as reality. Yeah, are they like KZ go because they think they can get Peasy's kid or something like that? Well, uh, the last position to grade is safety. I give safety a B plus. Yeah, I think um, those guys have been pretty good. Yeah, uh, Fitzpatrick's the best player on the team this year. Either him or Cam is the MVP. I think Casey's done well when he's been available, and I think Terrell Edmonds for the price and you know, given that he's a good fit with Minka, I think that group's done very well. And I I thought KZ really showed us something when he played well against Las Vegas in Edmonds's absence. Right, and he is at least athletic enough to patrol the back third so they can feel confident moving Fitzpatrick into the middle third or at the line of scrimmage because if you saw, like for instance, Cam Hayward's second sack was because of Minka. You know, Minka had a free rush, got in Carr's face, took away the passing lane, jumped, made Carr pull it down, and he runs into Cam Hayward. And that's not half a sack for Fitzpatrick, but... Terrell Edmonds had done something like that the week before, and Edmonds wasn't available, so they had Fitzpatrick move up because they can trust KZ to the back third. Did you see the the Steeler bloggers were saying that the Steelers ended the Derek Carr era in Vegas? <laughs> to which I replied, yeah, but you're still 7-8. and eight. I, You know what's great? When I hear the B team talk to him, the other radio station, every single show for months has been, okay, what if the Steelers went out? Still now. Like they're talking about the Steelers finished nine and eight. Is it a successful season? They they just I mean it wasn't a successful season last year when they were nine seven and one and got boat raced by Kansas City in the first round. Well, I don't think they're going to win out. But even if they do, that would maintain the Tomlin never having had a losing season streak. But you know what else that will enable Tim? His failures and their failures hiding in plain sight. 
Do you think, as I do, that was part of the reason why he gave that big rah-rah speech on Tuesday about how great it was to play on Sunday night? Yes. I think two, I think two He's factors. He's trying to aggrandize a lost season. Two factors played into that. The first of which was when Patrick Queen tweeted out, why are they flexing this? Which is exactly what all of us thought. Why are they flexing this? Especially those who have to work that night. <laughs> right. He goes, why are they flexing this? And I thought to myself, well... He's got a point. There's other games that I think might have more meaning because the Steelers could be eliminated by the time yep. they play. And also yep. the Ravens, it's not that big of a deal for them to not... Like, if they're in the five-hole, that's no big deal. They play the South champion. That's a good spot to be in. So if they lose, it's not like they're crying in their beer, I think, too much. Um, they might not even rush back Jackson as a result of that. And play- I, I don't think they will. I, I would think they would err on the side of caution with him. Although, I'll tell you, the amount he's been hurt this year and the practices he's missed, it, it would make me... Make me kind of double clutch on giving him the deal he wants in Baltimore, although I might franchise him. That's funny that you phrase it that way because what I was reading right before we started rolling was all these reports about the medical status of Jackson. Maybe the three-week thing was too augmented, that it was always a four- to six-week injury, and they just kind of want to let that linger out there. But they were thinking four to six the whole time. Um, And people are not talking about this through the lens of Steelers-Ravens on Sunday night. They're talking about it through the lens of, is he going to play in the playoffs and are they going to sign him? Like that's what everything is about. So, like, oh, you know, the Steelers aren't relevant uh, to most uh, people outside Pittsburgh this year. They're not right. That, well, that's why they got their first game flexed, which is why I'm surprised they got this game flexed into this spot. But I, I think because Queen tweeted what he did, Tomlin saw that as a way to leverage momentum and leverage the emotion. And then the second angle is, I think he wanted to plant the seed of how important this game is, regardless of what happens at one o'clock and four o'clock with the Dolphins and Jets. Every single word that comes out of Mike Tomlin's mouth is horse manure. I wouldn't trust him to wash my car. Uh, speaking of which, Tim, I give the coaching an F. Uh, I think the Steelers have been undisciplined and sloppy all year. And uh, on paper, that's a bad coaching staff, a cheap coaching staff, a small coaching staff, and it lacks pedigree. And there are very few people that are going to be on that staff that feel confident enough or emboldened enough to get in Tomlin's ear to push back, whether it's off the field or on on game day. You know, if Tomlin gets so wrapped up in something that's happened with with the defense, I don't trust Matt Canada to really take the reins and say, okay, since we punted on our last drive, here's what we're going to do differently this time, and this is what's going to work. Similarly, I think there's too many cooks in the kitchen on the defensive side for any one guy to have that much input because of Flores, Austin, and Tomlin. You think Canada's gone? There's conflicting reports. Yeah, I think they're going to make a change. You know what I think they might do? Use the same playbook, Sullivan? same terminology, Mike Sullivan, yeah, which would be an absolute joke. I have no idea how he and Kenny Pickett are. I've got no indication. Well, I don't care, Tim. They need somebody better. They need like a Jim Caldwell type. They need an offensive guru to, to try to develop a phenom quarterback, not some idiot with with a crappy resume. That's why I got excited about hearing Pep, Pep Hamilton's name late in the process, and then he just fizzled right away because he found out before he even came up for the interview, no, this is probably for a quarterback coach job. So he's like, thanks, but no thanks. All the resume complaints, what I just said, an idiot with a crap resume, that description applied to Canada, applies to Mike Sullivan, too. They're just meh yeah, at best. Milk toast. Probably not even. Um uh, you, you said who? Pep who? Hamilton. Oh, I thought you meant Pep Guardiola, the Manchester City manager. Um, Does he know how to run the run and shoot? He knows how to spend money. <laughs> um, and finally, Tim. Does spe- he like the jet sweep? Special teams. <laughs> I give special teams a D. Just too many mistakes. Too many. Yeah, too the kicker many- hasn't been very good, has he? Yeah, and, and the- he's been hurt. And the punter's not been very good, right? And you know, Gunner dropped the ball. I mean, they're just. And they've had one big one big play. 
I mean, if you want to count the punt against Atlanta as a big play, go ahead. There's a great punt, but like as far as the return game goes, I can think of one big play from Steven Sims, and that's it. Now, Tim, we want to get some NFL picks in before we wrap up. Um, my pick of the week, uh, I think the best game of the week is Buffalo uh, giving a point at Cincinnati. Uh, I think it's the biggest game because that's going to impact you know home field in the playoffs. Cincinnati's won uh, seven in a row, I think. Is that right? I thought it was six, but you might be right. They've won a bunch yeah. of games in a bunch row. A bunch of games in a row. I'm picking them. I will say, just like last year, they seem to be coalescing at the right time, don't they? Whereas Buffalo, Buffalo has never shown me that they are what we thought they'd be. And I think that Cincinnati has withstood and gotten over its big injuries. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that Joe Burrow can't go out and get hurt on Sunday. But if you figure the law of averages, you're going to get bitten by X number of big injury bugs. Like, they managed to overcome the chase injury. Yep. T. Higgins was playing hurt a lot and missed the occasional game. Joe Mixon missed a game or two because of a concussion or whatever ailment he had. And they managed to withstand all that. So I feel like they've gotten through the bulk of their injuries and they're coming together. They've proven that that notion of they had so many man games without injury last year was not the only contributing factor to why they won the division and went to the Super Bowl. Who's your pick of the week? Uh, I'm going to go with this post on Thursday. So I know the Lions jumped to 13 and a half. I got in on a nine and a half. I'm going to take the Cowboys over the Titans. It went up to 13 and a half. That's where it is now after hearing that Josh Dobbs, Mark, is going to be the starting quarterback. Yeah, why did they skip over Malik Willis to go to him? Because the game essentially means nothing to them. What matters to them is the Jacksonville game. If, so if they lose tonight but beat Jacksonville, they win the division. Right, yeah. Okay, so, so yeah, why not? Why not? And, but they don't think Tannehill's going to be back for the Jacksonville game, do they? And I would think that every single rep matters for Willis if you're going to try, like, at least play him for a half or something then, you know, like... It's, you want him to feel as comfortable as possible going into a winner-take-all type situation. So, um, it, since I cheated a little bit and got an early line on that, I would also recommend either parlaying or teasing Kansas City and San Francisco. They're both huge lines. Double-digit lines have been terrible in the NFL this year. One is 9.5, so it's almost there with the Niners. It might be by the time you bet it, especially with the news coming in about Derek Carr. They're starting a guy I've never heard of in Vegas. Jared Stidman. Oh, no. Is it Stidman or is it the other guy from Cal? I think it's Stidman. Oh, okay. If it's Stidman, then that then him I've heard of. I thought he, there was he was a backup in New England yeah, too, he, right? Yeah, him. So he's I've, kind yeah. of a McDaniel's guy. Yeah. So if it's him, then okay. Then I guess it stays at nine and a half. I thought it was the other guy from Cal, but um, either way, I would tease San Francisco and the Chiefs. The Chiefs are at twelve and a half, so you can get that down under a touchdown, and you can get the Niners game down to almost a field goal. Who do you like in Carolina? Um, given three at Tampa. Uh, this is the one game that it, the Bucks... It has no right to be a big game, but I guess it well, is, yeah, right? this is what everybody saying. Why don't they put this game as the flex game? Because well, nobody wants to watch exactly. it. Exactly. It means something, but... you surprised Carolina's favored at Tampa? Are they favored? Boy. Maybe I wrote it down wrong. Uh, I like the Bucks to win this one. Um, I think this is the one game that the Bucks really have to win, so I think they will. And uh, it's a three-point spread last I saw. Yeah, Carolina's getting three based on oh. what I'm seeing at the Bet Rivers app. Yeah, so it's Carolina plus well, I can't three. Read my scribble. And I think the Buccaneers can cover a field goal. Um, do you like my bet, which I'm making an advanced Tampa to beat Dallas in the first round of the playoffs at Tampa? No. Okay. Well, <laughs> I mean, I just I, I get your notion because we see that all the time, right? You see the bad division winner get in at five hundred. There's a good wild card. Yeah, I mean, you're, 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 card- you're probably right. You know what irritates me? That no one will say Tom Brady's washed up, which he is. See, that's why I think that. Okay, they're nobody lose. will say Russell Wilson's washed up, which he is. We keep 
looking for ways, the, the national media, that these guys are going to somehow resurrect themselves, and neither is capable of that at this point. I, I just don't see a way back for either one. Do you? No, I, that even goes for Wilson with people saying Sean Payton can come in and fix everything. I don't know that Russell, what Russell Wilson is fixable. Like, when the Carr, Rogers, Wilson talk was spinning around about the Steelers, you know, I, I wanted no part of Russell Wilson. He was the one guy that I, I didn't want at all. Uh yeah, and it's it's coming out that he's a real jerk off too. Phony, like that his teammates just hate him. Yeah, just a, what you see in the public is not what he is behind. He's always doors. been a golden boy, though. He single handedly blew a, a Super Bowl with that pass at the goal line against New England, and people never really caught him on it like they should have. Yeah, you know that stuff that came out. Kenny Pickett would have completed that pass. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, it was, it was basically the same. Well, now there's a little drag underneath. That was more of a post to to Pickens. Well, you know what? What I loved about that touchdown pass, you saw it twice in that game. Twice you saw George Pickens actually catch a pass where the sideline wasn't involved. He ran a post in the touchdown, and there's another one where he actually ran for like six yards after the catch. That had to double a season total. Although on the post, he was kind of covered by the end line. Yes, he was. He got a little deep. But... It's always something. <laughs> um, what about uh, Miami uh, getting three at New England? Uh, I'm not sure that has any right to big game either. And I don't think the two should ever play again because he's been concussed. Have you heard all the bleeding heart, woke mob stuff that, well, you have to hold him out of the game? No. If the doctor clears him and he wants to play, then he should play. Period. As with any concussed athlete. I'm just glad there's so much of this focused on Tua and Tua specifically that like no one really paid all that much attention to Kenny Pickett coming back from his seconds. Um, we've seen Sidney Crosby. We took a long time off from his, but he didn't get cleared. We got cleared in the Capital Series, and he got cleared in the Rangers Series. Uh, no, no, I'm, I'm talking about that's why he was out for a long time. No, but what my my point was, I think I think the first when he had the real long one after he got you know doinked in the Winter Classic by uh, Steckel, and then he got hit Washington, by Hedman two days later. I think he took an extra week or two to be better safe than sorry after he got cleared, but that's no big deal. Yeah, for Tua, I think. If he gets an entire off season and he's not getting hit in the head, you know, just like we saw with Crosby after the Washington series and after the Rangers series, that doesn't mean you you can never play again or get another one. You're, you're right. You're you're no more or less acceptable once you're cleared. Yeah, none of Tua's has been as cataclysmic as Crosby's first one was. So first two, if you want to call it that. Well, Crosby got two in two games. Yeah, you know his bell rung twice because you know Hedman got him. In the in the because he he got I mean I don't know if he got cleared if he played against doctor's orders I mean because back then it was a little murkier the whole way of dealing with it yeah remember Ray Shiro came out and used the phrase minor concussion and everybody still holds that against him and Bilesma for using but at the time that was part of our vernacular what, one more game Tim New York Jets minus a point and a half at Seattle uh, two teams trying to stagger over the finish line to make the playoffs I love the Seahawks in this one. Uh, yeah, did I get that line right? No, it doesn't. The, the Jets are favored in Seattle, and they don't even know who their quarterback is going to be. Do you think Zach Wilson's done in the league, or do you think he can make it somewhere besides New York? He's got a lot of resurrecting to do, not just from a football standpoint, but I don't think anybody is going to look at him and say, well, that's a guy who can be a quality sound backup. He's, he's too reckless, and I don't know how diligent he is well he really looks the part though doesn't he i mean when you watch him suck you can't believe he sucks right and when he's on like he was against the steelers you say well okay this is the dawn this is the great awakening who would you rather have on your team right now right this second kenny pickett or zach wilson uh if i got a good team i want Pickett because he's not gonna be dumb and make mistakes no comment (laughs) um 
And finally, Tim, uh, real quick, uh, I watch no bowl games because once they put the playoff in, those games don't matter. Um, And I'm not gambling on any either because the players on the team that count aren't playing. Too hard to draw a beat on. Yeah. Yeah. But what about the the playoff games? They go to Ohio State, plus seven against Georgia, TCU plus eight against Michigan. Do you see an upset in either game? I don't. I think both the favorites win. I'm more inclined to take Michigan to cover. I think that Ohio State-Georgia game is going to be a nail-biter. Georgia's been kind of pouty based on the fact I bet Georgia blows them out. You think Georgia's going to blow them out? I think Georgia's pissed because they got screwed in the seedings, and they did get screwed in the seedings. The the semifinal should have been Ohio State against Michigan because those are the two and three seeds. Yes, right. Georgia should have played TCU, but I think they're pissed, and I think they'll come out uh, blazing because Pissed is good, and they'll cover. Pouty yeah. is not good, and they won't. I don't sense they're pouty. Okay. Like, when when I hear them bitch, I hear, like, man, F this. I mean, you know, not like, ah, uh, gee. You know, there's a difference. I agree. I think that Georgia wins. I, I bet you it comes down to a last possession game. But, you, you know, they, they are definitely the best team. And a lot of people were saying Georgia's way better than all these other teams that we saw competing for the playoff. Well, this is their chance to prove it. I love that they're expanding the playoff to 12. When you look at this year, there's only three teams that deserve to be in it. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good way to look at it. And who would Georgia get? Oh, they get the last. They get the bowl of five or the group of five team, whoever that would be, right? The the the, the twelve team playoff is going to resurrect Penn State. Oh, sure it is because they can always be, be the third be, best team in the Big Ten. But they'll still make it now. And they'll still make they'll it. They'll be in it more often than not, and it'll kill Pitt. I've talked about that. Pitt will never make it. And you know what teams are in trouble? The ones that never make it. Yeah. If if you can't sell a recruit or a transfer hope, you're going to become irrelevant pretty quick. Yeah, because you if you look at it, it's going to be. Roughly four SEC teams per year, three Big Ten teams per year, ACC, Pac-12, that gets you up to nine, group of five, that gets you up to ten, and then two other teams scrape, a Big 12, so one, one, one extra bid from one of those conferences, and that's it. You know how we intend to deal with it, Tim? Not watch? Not watching at all. Okay, like that's one thing. As I get older, I'm going to do a show, I'm going to do a show or a podcast someday where I talk about what I'm no longer ever going to watch again. In fact, I might soon narrow it down to soccer, hockey, that 90s show, and Cocaine Bear. <laughs> Just watch Cocaine Bear in a loop. Turn that into a series. Tim, I can't wait. I am I am foaming at the mouth, maybe foaming at the nose. <laughs> I, 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 am, I am psyched for that. That's Tim Benz. I'm Mark Madden. It's the Mark Madden Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. And don't forget, as Cocaine Bear would tell you himself, bet now from anywhere. Catch new episodes of Mark Madden Unfiltered every week. Available on the Bet Rivers Network, betrivers.com, and wherever you find your podcasts.